Aren't you grateful for what these folks do? It's all about Christ. Grab your Bibles and let's go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Hey, Team Harvest, Happy New Year. Isn't it going to be interesting to see what God brings this coming year for however long in this year we're here? But just as we look ahead to our time in the Word, I do ask a question, and it's this, Team Harvest, what are we expectantly waiting for this year? What are we expectantly waiting for this year? Well, this is our last Sunday in our Christmas series. And uh, we have so far, we've taken a look all the way back, started all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, referred back to that. And Eric and I have sought to try and lead us through the Christmas season. And yes, we're finishing up our Christmas season today. And I know we're all ready to get back to normality, whatever that means. But we are going to finish some of the Christmas text today. And Christmas was not an independent one evening event. It was a part of a whole big redemptive plan of God. It started in all the way from our perspective as humans. It started back all the way in Genesis. And we start at one point we talked about Genesis 3 and right after sin... God communicated right away that his plan included for what's ahead, that there would be coming, an offspring of the woman would be coming, and that offspring would be bruised, but would be the victor. And it carried through an Abraham. Later on, Abraham talks about the coming Messiah, and Moses talks about the coming Messiah, and Isaiah, and Daniel, and Esther, and Malachi. Then you hit 400 years of silence from God to the people of Israel. Thousands of years have taken place. And where's the Messiah? Has God fallen asleep at the wheel? Does God care what he said? And the answer to that is, okay. And the answer to that is, absolutely yes. Listen, about 5 BC, all of a sudden, the drumbeat of God's plans began being heard again. And in that time period, as we've already taken a look at, God in his sovereignty, through the hurt of an elderly couple without a child, a godly couple, through their life hurt, God sovereignly was using that, was allowing that to, for his purposes, for his planners, to bring the forerunner in of the Messiah. Oh, and I'm telling you, the drum beats of God's redemptive plan, they're bumping. They're starting to be heard. And then all of a sudden, an unexpected teenage girl, engaged, finds out something that she had no plans of. And this teenage girl is told that she is going to be the one who miraculously has a virgin birth of the Messiah. And this little one is going to be born from her. Shepherds were being prepared. The angels were put on high alert. And the time has come. Ah. Well, we pick up the story in verse 22 in chapter 2. As Mary and Joseph 
arrive in Jerusalem. Luke chapter 2, verse 22. And by the way, I forgot to mention, if you don't have a Bible with you, we have some people who uh, will let you borrow one. We're big about the Bible around here. Not just talking about it, but getting into it. And if you need a Bible, they're going to walk down the aisle, just grab their attention, and, uh, and they'll let you borrow a Bible. You don't own a Bible. You've got one, right? All right. Luke chapter 2, verse 22. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they, Mary and Joseph, brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. By the way, isn't that interesting? The Lord being presented to the Lord. Verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, let me clarify a couple things here. There was ceremonies, traditional ceremonies that took place when a child was born. And if, a chi- and if it was a boy, a circumcision took place eight days later. And if later than 40 days later, there was a, a purification process for the woman, as well as there was a purification process, or what is better stated, and some call the redempting of the firstborn. The redeeming of the firstborn. This redemption was taking place with the firstborn, had to be a male, had to be born normally. Uh, in other words, couldn't be C-section. I don't know if they did that back then, but it had to be born normally. And it was not a Levite because a Levite was already dedicated to the service of the Lord. And, and, if, and if you had a baby boy that fit those four classifications, then what would take place is 40 days after the birth, you would take that boy to the temple in Jerusalem, and there would be a ceremony. And, and, and it fits from this. The Old Testament has a principle called the first principle. Where is that shown? I just made that up. <laughs> no, there, there, is, there is a first as you go through the Old Testament, you see the first thing is the Lord's thing over and over again. The first fruits, the first male child, the, the first was always God's. A different sermon, but quick side road. Isn't it interesting how oftentimes for us, we view God's things as the leftover? My time you know, the leftover that I have, that's God's. My, my, my mindset, the things I put my head into. You know, I, I've, I've got the cults. Oh, hey, there is a God still on the throne, okay? And, and be encouraged, people, even though the cults lost. There, there is purpose, okay? And in all this, it just, there's this first part of things. And this included all the way down to the firstborn. And the idea was that the first belongs to God. And so what would happen is this. Here's the ceremony. The father would come to the temple. And I have a picture of Mary kind of presenting this baby. And it's really interesting because I'm really into trying to find real live looking pictures rather than cartoonish pictures. Because the story of Christ is not a cartoon. It's real life. And it really happened. And it's interesting. I searched for hours trying to find a picture of Joseph presenting Jesus can't be found. Anyway, we won't go there either. But what would happen is Joseph would come and he would present uh, the baby. He presented baby Jesus to a member of the priestly family at the temple. And the father would then be asked if they would give their child up for the service of God at the temple or if the parent wanted to redeem their child back to be able to uh, take home. So, now, remember, this is 40 days later and after the birth. I just wonder if sometimes there were some dads who were like, I got to think this one over for a moment. You, you know, it's after that time they're crying and all this, and you wonder, is there ever going to be life beyond the crying infancy stage? Well, here this is what would happen. They would ask, and, and then the father would respond back, yes, I would like to redeem my son back to the family. Well, by the way, what an illustration. That's why God in Leviticus chapter 12 instituted this. So that there would be an ongoing illustration of what was taking place. And so then the father would give a benediction and they would offer a sacrifice. And that sacrifice was normally a lamb. Now, question. 
What does it say they sacrificed? Okay, let's just easily, two birds. Now you go to Leviticus chapter 12 and you take and you see in there, Leviticus chapter 12 says that you come and you offer a lamb. But, in essence, if you're really poor and you can't afford a lamb, you can get two doves or two turtle doves or two birds. Not a big point, but just a reminder. The Messiah was born into a dirt poor engaged couple and uh, the king of the universe. Cool stuff. The parents were buying back or redeeming back their child. Imagine, friends, the Savior, the Redeemer, is being redeemed back. I think that's neat. Do you? I just God must just during the Father must just be up there going, <laughs> you guys don't get all this yet, but what's taking place with my baby boy? This is so cool. Anyway, let's keep on going. Chapter 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem. And his name was what? Simeon. And Simeon, let me get my papers arranged here. There was this man, and uh, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. For, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Three things about this guy, Simeon. What was the first one? He was a righteous. He was righteous and devout. Now, righteous and devout here, really, we could look at this and say he was vertically right with God. That's righteous. That's a spiritual vertical reality. And by the way, if you remember back with Zechariah and with who's his wife? Elizabeth. And back a little bit ago, and who, who did they have a child? Who was their child? John, okay, and and they were righteous and and devout as well, it says, and an elderly couple. And here's this guy, Simeon. He's right with God, and he's devout. He's right this way as well. He's right vertically, and he's right horizontally. He's committed to Christ, and it shows in his life. What's the second thing that it says? He's, okay, uh, second thing uh, I've got is he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's waiting for. Waiting for is not this. It's not couch potato. Okay, this is not what Simeon was doing. Okay? Instead, waiting for is like this. When's it coming? It's the bright eyed, bushy tailed. And he's waiting. He's looking for. That's what this word is talking about. It's an intenseness. It's an expectation. It's the, (laughs) is it today? The only thing I can kind of maybe relate for us on this is this. If you're a believer in Christ, Jesus Christ, it says that he will come back one day, right? Okay, he's going to come back. And it could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be a thousand years. I don't know. But he's coming back. But I want to tell you something. In fact, Jim, we were talking about it a while. And Ron Henning, Rob Henning, we were talking about it a little while ago, just the other day. And Oh, hi, bud. And we were, talking, we were talking about it the other day. And we're like, you know what? I'm going to tell you, it just feels like it could be soon. But I don't know. I don't know. But it's like this. Hey, hey, Jesus is coming back. People are out there like, you're an idiot. I mean, that sounds so far-fetched. And you know what? I understand. That does sound a little bit bizarre, doesn't it? But that's why we call it faith. And that's what this says. Okay, waiting for. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, the Jews actually have a prayer that says that they're waiting for the consolation of Israel. What's it talking about? It's talking about the consolation is referring to comfort. It's the thing. They're waiting for the Redeemer to come, the the promised Messiah, that one. They're just waiting for the consolation of Israel, the promise, all the the redeeming of Israel. They just can't wait. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. That's what's talking about. This is what Simeon was like. 
just hungry. By the way, waiting for the consolation of Israel means that this is backed by what he understands. In other words, he knows his Bible, the Torah, the Old Testament. He knows of what the Old Testament says, and he's waiting for this. We're going to find out a little bit more about how it talks about, I think, additionally why he's waiting for it. And what's the third thing it says? Okay, come here, buddy. All right, I've already checked with him on this. Okay, now it talks about the Holy Spirit was upon him. All right, here, here, just a second. By the way, did you notice that Nick and I wear the same shirts today? All right, the Holy Spirit was upon him. So here's Simeon. What does it mean the Holy Spirit's upon him? It's this. Okay? So here's Simeon, and the Holy Spirit's upon him. And so when Mary comes and they walk in, and he's like, hey. Okay? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Okay, now, of anything else, you'll remember that. Okay, so in this, I want for you to understand as well, one more time, and I've mentioned this in the past times, is that one more time we've seen uh, a number of people in the first two chapters of Luke talk about this thing, that the Spirit is upon them, that they're filled with the Spirit. And every time it's not this, ooh, the Spirit's upon me, I can do freaky stuff. Now, uh, some of that, the signs and miracles do happen later on in the New Testament as they come. There's signs to prove who people are, to show who they are. But in this, we see every time the result of the filling, the coming upon the Spirit upon these people, results in their ability to understand what's happening at the moment in light of God's redemptive plan. The Spirit of God coming upon them gives them knowledge and understanding, awareness and wisdom of what's going on. And listen, if you have come to a place in your life where you've heard about the Bible and what the Bible says, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and you've heard in the Bible that it says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And and he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And you go, well, wait a second. All of sin falls short of the glory of God. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I want to have the Son because I want to have life with God. Not just in eternity, but now. And if you've come to a point to where you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, I remember as a seven-year-old still, standing in the entryway at a, a church we were visiting. And for some reason, that day, John 3.16 just hit home. I'd heard John 3.16 probably 316 times. Before that, I don't know. But in that, it just hit that day. And I still remember that waiting for my parents between the drinking fountain and the bathroom door and praying, saying, Jesus, will you be my Savior? I didn't know much. But I knew I was a sinner and I knew I needed Christ. And I didn't just think about it or say good stuff or yeah, yeah, rah, rah, Jesus. But I was like, no, I'm jumping in the boat. Listen. When that happens, that is the work of the Spirit of God upon your life to help you understand this, what to some seems so bizarre, makes sense. And Simeon was a cool guy, (laughs) just a cool guy, all right? So we're getting this, this is that Simeon, verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, part of the reason I think Simeon was totally jazzed up was because he knew, and I don't know when he was told, but we do know that not only was he waiting for in the process, he was waiting for, but the Spirit of God had revealed to him in the process that he was going to be able to see the Messiah before he died. Okay, I just got to tell you, never heard that talking with me. <laughs> but he did. And the Spirit of God had communicated that to him, that he wouldn't see death. Now, traditionally, we view uh, um, uh, Simeon as an old man, kind of because he says in this that, you know, I could just die now. Not that I could just die, but I can die in peace. And we think of him as, we don't necessarily know that. But I just want to tell you, there's all generations involved in the coming of the Messiah so far. We got a baby, a couple babies on the scene. We've got a teen, a couple teens on the scene. We've got some shepherds, probably middle-aged. Then we've got some elderly folks involved. By the way, isn't that neat? Just got involved all the generations in this whole process along with him. 
And I love the very last couple words that he would not see that before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Hey, it's not saying that God, the Trinity, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Spirit, the Son comes to earth in the form incarnation, the form of a human. It's not saying that the Lord needed a savior. It's saying, hey, this baby, this savior, that's God's. Okay, it's the Lord's Christ. By the way, Christ is not, and I mean this seriously for some, Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's a title. Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Messiah. And so here it's saying, it's the Lord's Christ. Verse 27, and he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up, Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed God. Can you imagine this guy? He is waiting for. Is it today? Is it today? Today? He doesn't know what day. But he's waiting for a bright-eyed, bushy tail to see the promised one. And there he is. He's holding this little baby. And all the truths of the Old Testament All of the realities of the characteristics of God are being worked out as he's looking right here. How did he know this was the Messiah? The Spirit of God told him. And he just knew. Just like when Mary walked in the door pregnant and Elizabeth just knew. And John in the womb jumped. Thousands and thousands and thousands of years since the promise. And he was there. Hey, friends. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole thing. God is in complete control. And what God has said he's going to do, he will do. Bank on it. Secured. Done deal. It may not be in my time, but who cares? Because it's all about his time and what's taking place. And there he is holding this baby. And he can't just hold the baby and not say anything. He says something. Lord, now, this time, Lord, now you are letting the sovereignty, you are letting your servant's attitude, humility, depart in peace. But by the way, this word depart It's several meanings. It means to release a prisoner. It means to untie a ship and set sail. It means to take down a tent and to unyoke a beast of burden. In other words, we could apply all of these here. Here, here. Simeon sees this baby and he goes, you know what? I saw the baby. I'm a released prisoner. I saw the baby. It's like you can just untie me and set me for sale. I saw the baby. You can just take this tent down. (laughs) I saw the baby. You can unyoke the beast of burden from my life, and I'm content. God, the Redeemer, is here. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Hey, he understood the big picture of what was going on here. This wasn't a, 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 a baby that was going to bring interesting political structures and mathematical equations that are beyond his time. This isn't one who's going to bring a time period of just kind of contented peace among the people. This is all about salvation. Verse 31, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. By the way, it's really interesting, the all-inclusiveness of his statement here. Because the people of Israel at that time were especially just toned into themselves. That God was just all about bringing the Messiah for them. But the Old Testament talks about God was to bring the Messiah to them so that they would be priests and light to the world. And they were forgetting the world part. But here when Simeon sees the Savior, he gets it. 
Listen, this is all about the world and the salvation plan in the world. Let's keep on going. Verse 33. And his father and his mother, in other words, Joseph and Mary, marveled at what was said about him. Now, those of you who have been here for a while, you kind of know, I get kind of intrigued by things. And uh, this one intrigues me. Isn't this a little bizarre? Because for me, I go back and I think, like Mary, like Joseph, duh. I mean, don't you like remember about, let's just say about a year ago? You know, maybe less than a year ago, like an angel came and like told you who this is? Like, hello? And there they are then bringing this baby in and Simeon says that this is the one. This is the one. This is salvation here. And they're kind of like, huh? Huh? I don't know. Maybe it's the 40-day postpartum thing that's going on. But here the word marveled, it's talking about a continuous marveling. It's an amaze. It's a puzzlement. It's trying to put it all together. In other words, they're trying to consider a pattern here and fit it all. Like, what's going on here? In fact, Luke chapter 1, verse 21, it uses the word again. People outside the temple were wondering why Zechariah wasn't coming out. In chapter, in verse 63 in chapter 1, Zechariah, Zechariah writes out John, if you remember that. He can't speak and he writes out John and all the people wondered. They're trying to put it together. Like, huh? What? What? And then in chapter 2, verse 18, the people are marveling what the shepherds meant when they said he is the Christ. He's the Christ, that's a baby. Huh? I can't put it together. I'm trying to reason it through. In fact, then verse 19, the shepherds and angels come and Mary is pondering them in her heart. Listen, uh, here they are, and the parents, uh, bless their hearts, they, they, uh, just everything going on, and, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. But Simeon get, is getting it, in, isn't he? Verse 34, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, this is said specifically to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel that is suppo- opposed And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. By the way, the word used here for sword, it's it's a big mambo jambo ginormous sword. It's not like a little kind of thing. This is like a Goliath-like sword. And this sword is talking about, and the piercing, the form of the word used for piercing, it's a constant piercing. Now, uh, you go to the temple... And she's going through this purification process as well. We're, we're not getting into today, but she's going through this. And then he tells us, and he's like, Mary, listen, I just want to tell you, this is salvation coming to us through your son. And oh, by the way, this is going to happen. Thanks. But it does remind us, moms, you get it more than I do. Of the pain when trials of life go on. In your children. And here's the Messiah and the things that are taking place. Uh, verse 35, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. We just don't have the time to unpack all that. But listen, let me just say this. There is no neutral ground with Jesus. There is no neutral ground with Jesus. He is either rejected or received. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's really that simple. There would be immense controversy surrounding this child. Mary would have a life of grief. But ultimately, it's about revealing one's heart. Well, that's Simeon. Anna, verse 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna, a prophetess. This isn't necessarily one who just uh, foretells and speaks things coming. But a prophet is one as well who is, who is speaking of, of God's truth at the time. And here is Anna, prophetess. Anna means grace. And the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years. Now listen to the description. The scripture wants us to know how old she is. She was advanced in years. Having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. Let's just assume for round numbers. She was 17 when she got married. Maybe old in that day, but let's just say 17. So then when did her husband die? How old was she? <laughs> okay, everybody get out your iPhone, hit calculator. Uh, how, how, how old was she? 24. Very good class. She was 24 years old at the time when her husband died. 
verse 37. And then as a widow until she was 84. This woman was a widow for how many years? <laughs> Very good. Way to get aggressive. It was 60. And listen to this. She did not depart from the temple. Worshipping and fasting, worshipping with fasting and prayer, night and day. I mean, we're told about Simeon, and here we're told about this blessed lady. Night and day. Okay, I'm going to be way transparent with you here for a second, okay? Because this just goes to show the immaturity of, of when I read through this, I go, wow, does that sound boring? Uh, I'm a pastor, okay, I shouldn't be saying those kinds of things. But don't, don't you sometimes, you just read through that and go, all day long? I mean, she was just like worshiping in the temple all day. Isn't that kind of boring? No, it's kind of like when people talk about, boy, heaven's going to be boring. We're just there like worshiping God. Like, hey, listen to me. It's going to be awesome. And, and we don't see her like, oh, crud. I gotta worship God today because it's my duty. What a woman! I'm telling you, what a woman! Through her hurt and her hardship. Listen, being a widow in those days was was not an easy thing. They, they were often neglected and exploited, even in spite of the commandment to take care of them. And she devoted herself to her husband, God. Fasting and praying night and day. What a ministry. For some of you, if that's you, praise God. Verse 38. And coming up at that very hour, wow, the coinky dinkness of life. Coming up at that very hour when Simeon is proclaiming, that's added in, but that's the text, that's the context. So coming up at that very hour when Simeon is speaking, she began to give thanks to God. She heard it. Listen, you see the temple? The temple was not like a little teeny thing. It was like all over. And they would usually come into the inner area there. And so there she is. And she's overhearing Simeon give this proclamation. And she's like, yeah, this is it. And she's overhearing this. And so what does she do with it? And coming up at the very hour, began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. I think it's just so intriguing as I went through this passage in these last couple of weeks, and I'm just, and the two things, both of these individuals, they're waiting for something. And their life is just yearning to, to have God be shown big in them, that they can see God, not just talk about it, not just fluffy Jesus stuff, not just ooey, ooey, gooey, God is out there, all it's a hug. I'm talking about a man and a woman. Who are like, God, I want to see you in my life. Show yourself big to me. They're waiting. Two individuals eagerly looking forward to the sovereign work of God. Longing for it to happen in their lifetime. Hey, when Christ come, came, he was not just a baby born kind of in uh, simplicity. There were some people pretty excited about him being there. They've been waiting for him. Pretty excited about it. Two individuals eagerly waiting for the sovereign work of God and longing for it to happen in their lives. Hey, Team Harvest, I, I, I don't want to stretch this out of context, but it just has made me think, what are we waiting for? Not couch potato, but hungry. What are we waiting for in this coming year? I, I, got, I got some thoughts. But before I throw those thoughts out, I'm going to look back. Bear with me. I got to do this. 
As I look back at this last year, I just sit here, folks, and I just go, are you kidding me, God? Ten months ago, there was a group of people meeting in a little library room talking about having a church. Look! Why? Oh, because I'm a great preacher. Oh, because this... Two words. Big God. I look at this last year. I just go, Nick and Eric completely dropped out of the air to us. My goodness, I'm up there singing. I'm like, dude, thank you. God, thank you. We're 10 months old. We're able to worship like this. Are you kidding me? Why is that? Eric, just out of the air. We had breakfast one day. I don't know what God's doing in my life. I'm like, I do, dude, come. (laughs) And it's just been a joy. And just a big God deal. And then we look, and here we are at church, and we have teens here. Are you kidding me? I don't know if you understand, but in the normal process of planting a church, teen families do not come because you don't have all the programmatic stuff going on. And we got teens. Teens love you, dudes. Well, look at it. I just every week I come here, and here's here's our singles. Number them down here. Young adult singles, dudes love you. Because that's a group demographic that usually does not come to a church plant. I don't know why. They're here. Oh, wait a second. Yes, I do. Why? Okay, let's keep on going here. This has just got to be said. I look every week and I see in our children's workers. And folks, I don't know if you understand this, and I'm just kind of talking to maybe some of the church family here. But folks, I don't know if you realize it, but every week we have couples serving together in the children's ministry. Yes, we have singles, and yes, we have teens serving as well. But we have couples, and I'm so proud of the fact that when we got going, I said, listen, if you're a member, you're serving. This whole thing of I'm a member and I just don't want to do nothing but gripe. Listen, That's out too. This is the kind of thing, when you come in, you get involved here. And children, I cannot tell you how many guys when I talk about it, look at me like, Doug, you are kidding me. I was involved in leading children's ministry at a large church for about three years from kindergarten through sixth grade. Do you realize we have more men working in our children's ministry here than we did there doing three services a week? Ladies, I love you. Absolutely love you and so grateful for you keeping us sane. But I just want to tell you from a pastor, I'm thrilled by the fact that we have men rubbing shoulders with your little ones. Letting our little ones know that men love Jesus too. We're going to be coming up here with our small groups. We've got almost 200 in small groups coming up here in a little bit. We've got more people in small groups than we have members in this church. Blow my mind. Why is that? We're 10 months old and we've got averaging right around 310 people. <laughs> Get out of here. Not you. <laughs> our giving has far exceeded our expectations. In fact, when we launched, we had planned financially for four months of carryover because people come and then it just takes them time to commit before they give. That's the normal process and it should be that way. From day one, finances have met our budget exceedingly. Unbelievable. Just the number of people jumping in. Unbelievable. A Romania trip. Two weeks ago, I just mentioned to our church family about, I got a call from Big Harvest, that we're a plan of Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. Got a call from them saying, hey, we would like for you to take one of, consider taking one of the uh, trips over to Romania this summer, and we'll take the other one. I'm like, okay, we're 310, okay, you're 16,000, that's about right. (laughs) So uh, we come and we get the 
we get the call to it, and I make mention to the church body about it. Hey, if you're just interested or got any thoughts about it, just write it down in the friendship register as it passes. I did that the week before and did it last week. And here's the reason why. The reason why is because Nick and Eric and I were talking about this opportunity. Like, we think we should do this because this fits to what we want to be. We don't want to just be about ourselves. And, and in this, but the question is, is are we going to be able to have enough people to do the 12 person trip or are we going to have enough people to do the 20 maximum person trip and so let's just ask and kind of see what the response is listen you have put me in a serious problem 73 people have communicated interest outside of the trip thing and I so you know I actually emailed them back and I said what if we took both of them I'm dead serious about that, and we may. Um, but the thing for me is I look at it and I just go, listen, I don't know why, but for some reason, God has decided to give this place incredibly heart-ministry-minded people. Because the third dynamic that usually happens is a church plant is you get all the people in the community who are mad. It's just true. They're at other churches and they're honked off there. So let's go over and express our honkedness over here. And just, we'll all be honked together. And that's kind of the what I'm serious. The unity here, behind the scenes, out front of the scenes, thank you. It isn't because of me. Why is it? God. It has been unbelievable. And to him be the glory. Now, 2009, five things as we wrap up here. I got five things. One, five suggestions. We're not going to make this a big program, but maybe pick two of these and make these as your prayer things for this year. We've got five things. Harvest, what are we waiting for? I would suggest one. This year, we just wait for God's presence. We pray that it continue here. I cannot tell you how many times people come and talk to me who are new here and just say, you know what, we come in here and it's like when you're visiting churches, you walk in the door and you're like, can we just leave? Because I can just feel the nastiness going on here. And here, it's just people come in, it's just like there's a whole different feel here. It's like you guys actually like each other. You guys are actually serving together. There's a great joy. You people actually sing. And stuff, and it's just, I just want to tell you, it's God's blessing i don't know why well, let's not act like we deserve it but in his grace he has just allowed this place not to be perfect please those of you where this is not a perfect place because nick and eric and i are here okay and i said you first i'm sorry about that um in this, but let's be praying god would your presence be here wouldn't you just want to be able to continue going on and just say i love this place because this place loves god and for some reason god would you love that to happen let's pray for it let's expect it let's wait for it let's not assume it and let's work at it i'm going to give you another one another p people let's just pray that god continues to bring us people but Doug, I, I i like small churches let me just real graciously as I can say this. Run that one through God's eyes. Now, there's nothing wrong with small churches. Please don't misunderstand me that way. But I'm talking growing churches. And I just, as I look at the scriptures and I look at this and I just go, listen, God, I want to see you big. I don't want to be comfortable. It's not all about me. It's about you showing yourself. And Lord God, if in this next year you choose to bring another 100 or 200 people, bring, great, super, great, bring it on. We need your help. We need your grace. I just want to be able to walk away and go, that was because of God. Not because we're so too sexy for our shirts. But that was because of God, a big, great God. Okay? And I'm serious about, let's just pray for people. And if you're checking this church out, well, listen, we want for you to get a church where you can serve and be a part. If it's here, marvel. If it's somewhere else, we'd love to help you or serve there. It's about God's people serving him at a place where they can settle in. Uh, Third one, place. Listen, I love this place. And part of it, I'm praying, one, I'm praying that God takes the place out of business or something. No. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, no, I, I, as we look ahead into this, 
Thank you for laughing. We are having fun, some fun here. Right, as I look ahead, I want to let you know, we are in the process. We've got a team of about five, six of us who are in the process. We're hunting things out. We're keeping our ear to the ground. We're aware of things. We're looking at property. We're considering facilities. Believe me, we're going to let you know. It's not like we're going to walk in one day and say, oh, by the way, it's not going to be happening. But we're just in that digging process, that seeing what's going to take place process. And could I ask this? Would you just pray that God in 09 would bring us a place? And here's why I bring this in. Because it's one thing to be able to say, man, that thing just worked out so neat. I mean, just the way it worked. Here's really what I want to have happen. I want to be able to walk away from the place that we look at, wherever that is, whenever that is, and just go, listen, that was so God. That's what I want to see happen. No pats on our backs. I just want to see God. I want to see God's presence here. I want to see God bringing people here. I want to see God bringing us a place. Whatever that is, God, just you do it. And the fourth P, I want God to bring fruit. Okay? (laughs) This is a little bit of my mockery with pastoral alliteration things. Okay? Uh, I just... uh, (laughs) I pray for fruit as we look. Fruit with a PH as we look here at this. Year. And I say this. I am talking about people coming to Christ and lives being changed. So that this year we're seeing people coming to Christ like we've never seen before. And we're seeing lives and families and individuals changed because of Jesus. And we look and we go, you're kidding me, Doug. Like, what's going on? And the answer is, that's right. Don't you just want to see fruit? I just, folks, I'm not trying to manipulate you, play a game. I'm just being dead dog serious with you. I just want to see God work. And the last B, I want to have some fun. (laughs) I want to have some fun. And I do mean fun, not as just everything's happy, jovial. But listen, we can laugh and have a good time together, enjoy ourselves together, because we're believers in Christ. What cooler thing could there be? And I want to savor that together, enjoy that together, not be a work and a labor. Yes, there are times where ministry is hard, and it brings tears and hurt, like a Goliath-sized sword piercing again and again and again. But in the whole of it all, you look at it and you go, Big God! So I'm cranked up about 09 because I have no idea what God's going to do. I just would love it if we would be the kind of people that are hungry, not for mediocrity, but hungry for expectancy. God, we're here. We're here. Would you just do something big? And we'll glory in you together as that moves ahead. We'll work through problems together. We just want to see you, God. Simeon, Anna got to behold the redemptive work of God in their day. I want to see the same thing happen this year. Let's pray. Lord God, we... uh, We acknowledge the reality of the song earlier that we sang about such a tiny offering compared to the cross. And Lord, what we want to have happen this year, we just want to be people that are available to you to be used. God, we want to make you big, not us. Oh, Lord, I pray this wouldn't be about me. This wouldn't be about us. This wouldn't be about anything physical, but this would be about you and you alone. Uh, Simeon and Anna, faithfully, day in, day out, the ongoing work and and, and effort and perseverance and, and struggle and joy of being living worshipers of you and at the same time being able to behold the magnificent redemptive work of you in their day. And Lord, I'm just, I'm just as one of your children just asking, oh Lord, 
I'd love to see you continue just to show yourself big. That people would come to Christ. People would bow their knees and their lives in humility and surrender to you. That individuals' lives would be renewed in the joy of Christ. Not in the labor of legalism or whatever it might be. Oh God, I pray that people would be delivered as they pursue you from sin holds in their life. Lord, this year we would be able to hear testimonies of people uh, growing in you and massive life changes take place and small life changes taking place. Oh God, bring us fruit, not for us, but for you. Father, I would pray, would you bring us a place? Lord, I don't know where that is right now. I got a couple ideas, literally. But Lord, our prayer this morning is we want to see you show yourself through something like property or building. It's all about you. All these things aren't to build a kingdom. They're to build your kingdom, not ours. So Lord, I would pray, would you give us a place that just is a God gift? Father, I pray you would bring us people. Lord, you have. Oh, my word. Sometimes for me, it's just personally overwhelming. But Lord, I could respond in one way and say, could you please hold it for a while? Because it's a lot easier to manage as a pastor. It's more comfortable God, ministry is not about comfort. Ministry is about you. And we do not pray that we become some big high flute and we're too big for us kind of church. Oh, God, may that never be. Lord, I do pray. I just love this place and I just want more people to be able to come here and to be able to, to, to get the word and to be able to see the truths of the word. God, I pray for this.